Welcome to Hawk Talk, a podcast brought to you by the St. Dominic High School Bayhawk Media Productions. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bayhawk Podcast. It's me and Tom back to, uh, again today. And we have our, a very special guest, our very own Mr. Homan. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Yes, yes. He is uh, the chair of the history department. He currently is teaching the government and economics class for tw- the 12th grade, the grade that me and Tom are in. And yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on today. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Great. Okay, so we're going to start off with just some basic questions about your job. Uh, what classes do you teach right this year? What do you teach? This, this year, year, I teach government, economics, international relations, psychology. Any, like, act after school? Uh, Model UN and FBLA, when they can meet. And, what, so. like, do you want to talk about Model UN? Model UN is a role model uh, type of club in which they do a mock-up of the United Nations itself. Uh Students are given or assigned committees and a country, and they represent that particular country and committee. Uh, not necessarily their own points of view on international issues, but what that country uh, basically may have in that particular situation. Very interesting. So how many years have you been teaching? This is my 30th year. Just overall? Oh, no, at St. Dom's. 42 overall. Wow. And where did you teach before St. Dom's? Nome High School, Nome, Alaska. Mount Assumption Institute in Plattsburgh, uh, Walsh College, Canton, Ohio, Holy Name High School in Worcester, Massachusetts, LaSalle Military Academy, Oakdale, Long Island, and St. Dominic's. It's about a wide range of opportunities. It is indeed. So, uh, most of those schools were basically, or three of those schools were when I was a member of a religious order. The religious order maintained those particular schools. Interesting. Do you have a particular favorite? Uh, the college was cool. I mean, that was Walsh College in Canton, Ohio. Other than being in Canton, Ohio, Canton's not a very good place, but the, the college atmosphere was uh, mm-hmm. quite different. Um, two of the schools were high school boarding schools, Mount Assumption in Plattsburgh and LaSalle Military Academy. Boarding schools are uh, very different in nature from a, a regular high school. Mm-hmm. So, so you, would you, could you confidently say right now that you prefer a college more than a high school to teach at? Right now, no, I'm comfortable where I am because, I mean, if I wanted to go college, I could have gone uh, to a college as an instructor, as a lecturer. I used to lecture at the Naval Academy and West Point. Well, pretty cool. That's impressive. Yeah. So what did you major in in college? I majored in history and political science at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. And was there anything else or was it just, were you from the get-go like set on that this is what I want to do okay now I started out as a wildlife biologist uh, I do have a, a minor degree don't tell anybody here in biology mm-hmm. or else they'll start assigning me to science classes um, I also have a minor in, in uh, athletic coaching PE Shh, don't tell anybody that either um, and, and so uh, I just I like where I am I like the school or else I, I wouldn't have stayed here uh, you know Catholic school is a commitment so I could have mm-hmm. gone to public schools but uh, I'm committed to Catholic education. That's why I'm here. Good for you. Okay, so now we're going to move into the like the fun questions. Okay. All right. So start off with a, a cool one. What is your take on the stock market? What do you, What do you think of just the stock market as a whole? You have any opinions? You think there should be changes? I think the stock market just, is pretty much uh, the best example we have of free enterprise. Uh, oddly enough, uh, in between LaSalle Military Academy and teaching here, I was a stockbroker uh, for two years. So I have my uh, I had my certificate for. Uh, a stockbroker. 
six, seven, and 63 of the tests. Very tough tests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think the stock market is, uh, you know, is working fine. It's very, very uh, volatile, uh, much, much higher than it was when I was a broker. Uh, but I think it's working. It's a good example. It's the best example we have of, of capitalism. Pretty right. Much. Yeah. So. Okay. So we're currently playing a stock market game in government economics. So you basically, it's based off the real numbers of all stocks in the NASDAQ. And it's the entire grade. And we see who can, you know, why they're shorting, buying, selling, all that. Who can make the most money? Have you ever won? Yes. I usually do pull myself out. Uh, if I am in like first place, I'll remove myself just so the students mm -hmm. basically. So if somebody, a student can move into number one. Uh, but I, I finished the, could have finished the number one spot a couple of years. Uh, and that's not because I have any secrets. It's just dumb luck. Hmm. So uh, That's another thing I actually want to bring up. It's a cool. So, <laughs> yeah. So like how I asked you about what's your take on the stock market? Like, do you, because a lot of people are like conflicted, whether a lot of people say it's just gambling, like it's on the same level as like, like slot machines, it's just gambling. And then some people say it's more educated, yeah. you know, like, what, what do you think? Where do you think it lies? You think it's more or less just kind of oh, it's, taking it's more a than gambling, but it's, it's, in essence, it's your, your, you're betting on something basically to go up. So it is a form of gambling, but it's uh, it does require a little more um, knowledge than say slot machines, which are just pretty much dumb yeah. luck. Uh, that's why I don't uh, I don't play slot machines because there's there's it, no it, it's out of my control. Uh, I prefer poker, which is again a little bit of luck, uh, but also there's skill involved as well. Right. Same thing with the stock market. There, there's luck, but also skill. Uh, the more the more you know, the more knowledge you right. know, the, the better your chance of succeeding in the market. Yeah, true. Like, like you've been saying for the past couple of weeks, or at least a couple of years. Well, no, where you said uh, for a couple of weeks, you said you know you were you had faith in Apple because they were going to release a new product, like things like that. It's so, so, like yeah. you could make educated mm -hmm. placements on, oh, this could do this because of something. You know, true. it's not no just... guarantee, but uh, you know, chances are there are tendencies, there are mm -hmm. trends that you could follow. Okay, so why did you choose to become a brother? Good question. That's a that's a interesting question. Uh, it kind of like dawned on me when I was in college as a university student. Um, the best way to you know kind of like describe it is like this this idea in your head that just won't go away. Mm -hmm. uh, and so even though you try to push it aside, it always kind of like resurfaces. Right. Uh, after I grad, you know, when I graduated from college, I went into the army, went into the military, put in my five year service, and the 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 bug was still there. The the voice was still mm -hmm. always like you know. It's, I don't hear voices. Okay, that's, that's, uh, but you know the idea of, of becoming um, a member of a religious order uh, it didn't go away. Didn't go away. It kept resurfacing. It, it might disappear, or I might not be thinking about it for a couple of weeks or months, and then all of a sudden it, it does come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually it comes back when uh, you know, like when we have the students like meditate and retreat. It, it's when you don't have any type of distractions. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. you know, the brain starts filling in the gap with uh, some information, and that always kind of like just resurfaced. So in my last couple of years in, in the army, I contacted a couple of religious orders. One of them was the Benedictine order, which is a uh, semi-monastic order of monks, mm -hmm. uh, and then kept contact with them. And then when I was released from the military, I began what is called a contact uh, program with the order. And then from there, I went into what is called the novitiate, which is basically uh, training, right? which goes on for 12 months uh, and then another six. Uh, of which they sent me to Rome uh, to study oh. at the universities in Rome. How long were you in the Rome? Uh, six months. 
pretty and nice. One of the classes I took at the Catholic University in Rome was canon law, which is the law of the church. And the professor or the instructor, the major instructor was a, a cardinal, uh, Cardinal wow. Joseph Ratzinger, who went on to become Pope Benedict. Really? Yeah. Okay, we're not buddies. We didn't hang out. You know, <laughs> no, but, but I mean, uh, there were 400 monks in the class, and so, uh, or religious, not just monks, but the uh, male and female religious. And so he was just a, the predominant speaker, but we also had other uh, instructors in mm -hmm. canon law. Okay. So what made you decide to join the military? Uh, pretty much, you know, this we're talking about like the, the late 1970s, even though the draft was no longer there. Um, it's, it's basically what I thought was my duty as an American. Plus, I was in ROTC uh, in college, and so they helped pay for the college and mm -hmm. some of the classes. So as I graduated from college, I was a second lieutenant and went uh, directly into the military service. Wow. Did you continue with any federal jobs uh, with the government after you left the military? This sounds like a Senate investigation here. <laughs> um, I, I, like I said, I have lectured uh, at both the Naval Academy and the Military Academy at West Point, um, usually on some type of uh, historical research. Uh, after 9-11, uh, I had a series of lectures at the uh, Annapolis and West Point on basically the origin of the Muslim situation, meaning the, mm -hmm. the, uh, basically what the Muslim conflict was all about in the Middle East, the history, the backup. So the uh, midshipmen and the cadets had a little sense of, of where the uh, situation basically derives uh, to where we are and uh, basically today with the, the, the Muslim problem between the Sunni and the Shiites, the two factions within the Islamic faith. Right. Uh, what is the certificate that sits in the front of your room uh, home, uh, with the Homeland Security? Okay, after 9-11, since I did have some military experience and my job as a, an officer in the Army was logistics and supply, uh, pretty much just getting everything in order and shipping it to where it has to be, uh, they asked me if I would like to assist with the supply depot in Brooklyn that was being uh, set up to supply uh, the southern part of Manhattan. And so after teaching here, I would go into into Brooklyn to the depot and work several hours there. Wow, wow. that's a you, long you really, day. Yeah, it's, it's a, a long, long day. day. Yeah, but uh, okay, this is we're, we're doing this on behalf of the people that do not know what is the W. What does the W stand for in your name? Okay, Wolfric, which was my grandfather's name. So, uh, but uh, I mean, I haven't used it. My father didn't like it, but uh, it's kind of there officially. So it's always been like the W. Yeah, uh, but. I just re, uh, re put it back there about 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember you telling us that, but it's a lot of people that like say, say, go between Wolfric and Wolfgang. But... Okay, do you watch any movies or TV shows? Um, I watch movies, a lot of movies. Uh, I have Netflix, Amazon, uh, all those. So I, I don't watch much broadcast TV. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, the favorite movies that I like in TV shows basically are usually historical period dramas. Uh, dramas themselves. Uh, I like foreign films. Uh, it lets me <clears throat> practice my uh, the different languages that I know. Mm -hmm. So I watch a lot of films that are uh, German, Russian. And you won't watch it with subtitles. You just try to under. You just. I do have the subtitles. But okay. I, I don't necessarily have to focus in on them. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, pretty cool. Kind of keeps me going on the languages. And to add on to that question, so I remember you said you and other historians watched gladiator like a hundred times each to pick out the like the mistakes the yeah, mistakes the, the editing mistakes yeah how is that watching 
Gladiator. Like, was extremely it like two hour, two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes? Extremely repetitious. If the film ever stopped, I could probably act it out and do the lines still. Um, I mean, and that's just, a, it's become pretty much, you know, the, all kind of like, a, it's not a blooper reel, but, you know, there are inconsistencies. And the one scene that you probably remember when the chariot flips over in the first uh, gladi Gladiator scene from Rome, uh, there's actually a compression tank. Which they used to really? flip the flip the chariot, but the, the little skirt that they had covering it flipped up, and um, they never edited it out of the film. So mm -hmm. here in ancient Rome, you have a a metal compression <laughs> tank underneath the chariot. So it's a uh, isn't isn't there also a like a water bottle in that movie, or is that a, I feel like while they're in the you see the background, all the people in the Colosseum. I feel like I'm, I think it's gladiator. Like you see, like one of the people just like move like a, like this, like just like a water bottle. It might be, them. but I, I know that what they did to, to film the Colosseum, they only filmed like, or they only made like a, a small pie wedge section of it, right. and they just CGI it. And there's mm -hmm. one scene where you can actually see a guy at the very low corner holding the boom mic. Mike. Uh, but you know, after you know, when they released it into like DVD, a lot of times they went back and edited a lot of those things mm -hmm. out. So right. you saw originally in the movies, you saw a lot more bloopers in there, mm -hmm. and then when it was released on VHS. Um, you know, they, they edit some more. DVD is basically, you can go frame by frame and you can actually, much better than film and VCR tape when that used to be. So you right. can actually go frame by frame and say, okay, that needs to go out. And yeah. so they can, they can, the master copy is, is pretty much more in, in cleaner shape. Mm -hmm. And just one more, isn't there, we don't have to go into like deep discussion, but isn't there in 300, isn't there like a scene where like a plane goes overhead? Uh, in Troy. Was it Troy? Troy, yeah. There's a scene where, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brad Pitt is like extending his arm with the sword. Uh, just, I think as they're attacking the temple in the beginning of the movie, the first fight scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a plane that kind of, and again, when the DVD came out. That, they got rid of that, it. That, yeah, that disappeared. Um, I just wonder like how like a big budget movie, how like no one notices that the first time around. Now, they might have noticed it, but there, there's no way maybe they want to go back and they don't want to refilm it and things like that. No, a lot of it has to do with it. Gettysburg has a lot of problems, too. Mm -hmm. uh, they filmed it actual on the on the Gettysburg battlefield, and the one scene they have to hide a statue of General uh, Wheeler. And they mm -hmm. just put a bunch of branches in front, and if you look really close, you can actually still see the statue. Uh, I, I can see it because I know the statues there, right. so, but uh, most people would not particularly notice it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of things like that, like the compression tank and things like that, like, you know, you don't, most people don't like catch it because it's quick and you don't. True. So uh, until you point it out. When you watch yeah. it a hundred times, you, you, you get to see yeah, all you this start stuff. To, start to piece it all together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now you talk a lot about like our class in general, just not reading like <laughs> at all. No, not your class in general, your but generation yeah. <laughs> in general. Yeah. But like if That's you had to pick any book that you've read, what would it, like, what would your favorite book be? Any genre, it doesn't matter, like just favorite book. How about if I just answer the book of which I've read the most times? The Bible. The Bible, which I read every year cover to cover. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason why? It tells me things. Uh, so the reason I keep reading it over and over year for year, because my life has changed, I've changed, and therefore, just like in the movies where you may not see something the first time you see the movie, you pick it up the second time. Same thing with the Bible. The more times you read it, the more things you kind of like mm -hmm. pick out or, or jumped at you that perhaps you didn't notice uh, in previous times of reading it. Uh, but other than the Bible, I mean, it's um, there are lots of books I read. I constantly quote Orwell in class. 1984 is yeah, pretty yeah. much a... 
a standard. If you haven't read it, really needs to be read. I know. I think they're reading it in uh, junior senior class. I think we we did. I so, know we didn't. Huh? Yeah, I think we we're supposed to read it sophomore year. They just never sure. did. I could have. Yeah, yeah. Could've, COVID could have gotten away. I don't know. We didn't read it. Yeah, COVID got in the way of everything. Yeah. So just quickly, if you don't know the exact number, rough estimate, how many times have you read the Bible in full? Cover to cover, I'd say, well, I've been doing it for the past, well, since I was a religious, and so that's not the So, 41 years, 41 times. Wow. we got to see how many times Father Matt has read. Yeah, cover let's see if he can catch up. Um, so now, when we were freshmen, there was a lot of rumors going around saying that you fought a bear. Is this true, or is it just something they decided to make up? Well, the, fi the fighting implies that the bear and I basically decided to go toe to toe. Uh, the better way of saying it, I was attacked by a bear. Okay. I, I did. I did nothing in defense other than roll myself into a ball. Uh, right. So yes, it was during. A, but in you Alaska, had like a scuttle with a. Yeah, I got beat bear. up. Beat up. Several broken bones. Wow. Numerous stitches. What happened? Um, we just kind of bumped into each other. She was coming up one side of the little knoll or hill. And I was coming up the other. Uh, the wind was going from her towards me, so she didn't smell me. I was doing very quiet because we were hunting caribou, mm -hmm. uh, me and some friends of mine from college, and we literally just bumped into each other. And you know how when you bump into each other, somebody kind of like reacts, mm -hmm. yeah, reflex, so that's what she did. Okay. Several well, times over and over. Also, so. don't, don't feel me about female bears, like if they have like cubs, like if... It doesn't matter what you do, oh, isn't it? If you get like cubs. a within like a radius, they take it as a threat. Like true, that's true. So they do. Yeah, they're very particular for cubs. Uh, but it, but it, to some degree, is a true story. You had it like is, a it yes, it was. Wow, I okay. was beat up by a bear. It wasn't a fight because she walked away, no harm. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who limped away bleeding and. But I'm still brain. A lot of people don't, you know, take that from a bear. It doesn't happen like too often, and people just go, okay. Well, True, but in Alaska, it happens more often than not, and uh, not all, all time all encounters with bears are fatal. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that she wasn't hungry, she was protecting cubs, kind of, and the fact you just startled and all of that, yeah, uh, kind of led into the, the fact that it wasn't a fatal encounter. So, um, you know, I just want to ask you out of curiosity, if there's 50 states, if you could pick one that you hated the most, which one would it be, and why would you say California? I, I mainly mean, because I, I I'm from New York originally. New Yorkers just don't like Californians, hmm. so that's true. Number two in the list would be Massachusetts. Okay. Now, why Massachusetts? Like I lived I lived in Worcester for a while yeah. too. I lived in Worcester as a teacher, so uh, yeah. It just again, and as that competition between New York and, and Boston, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. that type of thing. So yeah. What about you? What's your least favorite state? That one's kind of hard. Probably New York. Really? I'm not crazy about New York either. Yeah, I I can't stand Texas. I have relatives that live down there, and like we used to go a little bit when I was younger. But I have three little brothers, so it's like a big family. But in the past like few years, we've gone, like just to go visit them. We spend like a couple of days at that at their house, and mm -hmm. like when people go, oh, I want to move there because of the warm weather. It's not warm. It's, it's hot. August. We go. We've gone in August, like mid August, like the peak. Texas, in August, is like. If you go in the sun, you're being like a sauna. seared alive. All right, this one, this one we really been waiting to ask you. You, for the past four years, you always tell like your students crazy stories about things you do, things you've done. Who is like 
the most like like you just told us you were you were a student of the pope who's the craziest person you've ever met like what would you like you're just like oh my god it could have been like bumped like you could have bumped into in an airport anything but like okay. who was just the uh broadway theater i went to go see um monty python's spamalot don't mm -hmm. know if you've ever heard of it it's a takeoff of the movie um monty python and the holy grail Love that movie. Uh, very crowded oh you seem oh, it's a great you film loved, you would love the play uh while waiting to go in the lobby uh waiting to go to the seats very very crowded i actually bummed into robin williams wow and we basically were stuck there for like two minutes just shoulder to shoulder we just had a little bit of banter going back and forth wow that's a that's a good one all right just because i i don't know about you i personally would like to hear more give us the top three robin williams number robin one. williams we won that was a chance meeting um i also um probably best friends i at least he's my oldest friend even though he's half my age uh would be the goaltender for now minnesota is uh mark andre Fleury. right so i met him when he was five and we've kept in touch ever since and so now he's a you know, big shot professional hockey player mm -hmm. uh so you know i contact with him so he's on the list too as being uh, kind of like the famous famous guy right um and i did meet the the former pope john paul ii uh, as a as a brother and also a military when we were doing uh security detail at fairbanks international airport when the pope's plane landed so two so like technically twice yeah that's wild that is, that no, is considering crazy. now he's a saint yeah pretty good stuff so yeah, a, we actually had uh, our choir went over to rome to sing for the pope john paul ii and there's a picture there used to be a picture outside the principal's office with uh, all of the saint dom's choirs standing around the pope when he's sitting on his, his wow. chair and if he basically touched them well, now he's a saint so some students actually met a saint that's really cool that is, that is if really you kind cool. of think of it that way so um now i know freshman year um i got detention a couple of times and um for me yeah it, no not not from you but okay. I, I was in you, the detention, you, you oh, okay. the detention. Yeah, yeah, I was. and i remember you would always ask us if we wanted to listen to beethoven or mozart is, is, is it like, are they your favorite composers or did you do it to like annoy the students because nobody really listens yeah, to classical? Yeah, it was annoy. It was kind of <laughs> okay, like adding yeah. to the punishment so because I know you guys don't like classical music. Uh, I stopped really doing it when one of the kids from detention, after detention was over, came up to me and goes, uh, can I get a copy of that playlist because I really like the music. I said, well, if, if you're going to enjoy it, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's generally what I like to listen to. And since I'm sitting there for, in those days, it was an hour and a half. Wow. Um, Okay, so what would you do? You have a favorite song? It could be about anyone, like just a, or it could be like something like classical. But like, is there something you could listen, like put on, and you're like, okay, this is well, this I, is again, me. all the music basically depends on the mood. But if I had right. to say which one is like would be my favorite, uh, Finnish composer John Sibelius, the Finlandia Symphony Number no. Two, uh, mainly because my grandmother, who was from Finland, used to play that all the time. Oh, wow, so really? kind of like you know, drill into my head. Mm -hmm. um, but then you know, uh, a friend of mine who is uh, he's actually on YouTube name is Alexander Rybach uh, who has lots of YouTube music he's a professional he won uh, Eurovision twice so he's, he's a big deal B very big uh, musician in Europe so he's a friend of mine and so I listen to his music too he sings in both English Russian and Norwegian wow. so it's, uh, I don't speak Norwegian but it, it's close to what I do speak so. mm -hmm. yeah I feel like you don't have to know the language of music like if they're it's like you don't need to know the lyrics i love like foreign music you just yeah, you yeah. just like listen to it and you enjoy it you okay. don't need to know what they're saying do you know the work of uh hans zimmer work of hans zimmer. Do you know hans zimmer can't say i do what's his field composer 
Ah. For, he does a lot. Of, he basically does films. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's what he's what a, films? I, I, I could sit here for, I could sit here all day and list you, but like, um. Give me one. One that I might know. Uh, recently, the movie that just came out, Dune. I don't know if you've like seen or read the books or whatever. I've but, read the books and seen both earlier versions of the movie. Haven't seen the latest one though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither have I. I heard it was good though. Uh, Gladiator. Okay. Okay. Gladiator, I got it because I listened to that like a hundred times. Uh, um, <laughs> so you you have that one now wired in your brain. Uh, no time to die. Pirates of the Caribbean. The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. The Lion King. Uh. The Dark Knight, Dunkirk. I mean, Dunkirk was a really good movie. Dunkirk um, was really good, yeah. yeah. So, so, so was, uh, sorry. did he do 1917? I don't that know if he did movie. that, but that was a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and maybe his greatest piece was uh, the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. <laughs> he did He did good. He did greatest well piece, Kung Fu yes. Panda trilogy. Have you ever uh, heard it? It's, a, it's immaculate. I've, I've, seen, I've seen Kung Fu Panda. Seen the movie? All right. Yeah. I would Go. not imagine that. Well, it's funny. It's comedy. Well, yeah, but it's just like, you. well, I'm not, I'm Who? not denying I don't that. Understand. But it's like, you know what I don't get? People that don't like Jack Black. How do you not like him? He's I've so, never like, seen. He's so lovable. Like, there's nothing to hate about him. He's just a dude having fun. Okay, so yeah, Hans Zimmer is pretty cool. Yeah. But like, did Hans Zimmer do like a Bronx Tale? Did I? There, I just look maybe. it up. Hold up. What What's your take on that movie? A Bronx Tale? Uh, yeah. it's, it's okay. You know, typical since I was born in Brooklyn, so I pretty much like that was like my neighborhood, mm-hmm. except we lived in a house, not an apartment. Um, no, he did not. Okay. That's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was an okay movie, but it was it's it's typical, you know, like mafia movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, even if you what's the other one? Uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. That's the one. Um, Movie was good up until like the last third when he started getting into more of the, the, yeah. the drug thing. And then you said the exact same thing. So like, the, yeah, the first no. part was like it's kind of, up until good. yeah, like the it's literally like the last like 25, 30 minutes. It's so good, and then it's just it because it what and it, it kind of bothers me because it's well, it's so tripping. it's so good, and then they basically hit you. For, it's like a because what what would you say like the sixties? It's taking up in place yeah. maybe sixties and seventies, and then it basically goes like okay, ten year gap. He's a heroin addict. Yeah, his yeah. life's kind of falling apart. His wife hates, and it, and I was like, why did we have to do like a time jump? And now he's just. They well, actually, it's better. more of a the way the mafia developed. If you're familiar with the the Godfather series, uh, the, you know, the, in the Godfather movie, the Corleone family is very hesitant to get into the drug trade, mm-hmm. and so that was like, 40s, 50s, and yeah. so it kind of mirrored that into the 60s. You know, organized crime in New York was more of like you know hitting up businesses like Lufthansa Air, you know, uh, airline right. heist yeah. uh, from uh, Idlewild Airport, which was the name of Kennedy Airport before it became Kennedy Airport. It's mm-hmm. called Idlewild. Um, wow. So that it says so in the movie. Um, that's Kennedy Airport. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that was good. And I, at, at LaSalle Military Academy, uh, the, the kid Henry actually went to that school. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, not while I was there, but oh, he was okay. one of the kind of like the, the infamous uh, a lot of mafia people sent their kids to LaSalle because it's mm-hmm. kind of like a high school prison. I mean, it's very secure. You know, kids aren't allowed off the of campus, and therefore uh, uh, the Gambino family also uh, sent their kids there. Um, okay, so we're talking so much about movies. What, in your opinion, it could be your favorite, but what do you think is like objectively one of the greatest movies ever made? Doesn't You don't even have to say like the most, but like if you took a ballpark, like, okay, this is one of the best movies ever made. Okay. Um, there's a couple. I mean, if you want to talk about 
officially what the, uh, you know, they say like Citizen Kane was Orson Welles, supposedly one of the best. Uh, but, you know, The Godfather 1 and 2 are really good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's a subject that I happen to like. It's well done. The actors are good. And so it, it really worked out really well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, you know, blockbusters, you know, there, there's a lot of other movies uh, that really do make it. Um, I like the original Godzilla. Was I mentioning your guys' class, Godzilla? Like I think you did. Times? Yeah, because yeah. there's like 45 yeah. Godzillas. Yeah, it's like 45. Minutes. They're making this like 1930s. Uh, 1956 was the first one. 57 oh, wow. was the first one. Wow. Uh, 56 in Japan, 57 American release. Wow. So if you've ever seen it, there's actually, they took the Japanese film and had an American actor and they just spliced his scene into the original movie. Mm. So when he's having conversations with people from the original movie, uh, it's just actors and you never see anything but the back of their head. So they wow. actually spliced in uh, the American English sections of the film. And then he also narrates part of the film. Mm-hmm. And so that was all overdubbed. So the original film is entirely in Japanese. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact film, except for that, you know, uh, the actor is like not in the original 1956 version. Right. It's an anti-nuclear movie. Yeah. That's what woke up Godzilla. Yeah. So it's like a nukes. I'm like so a reptile. That, okay. That makes okay. sense. Right before we close out, okay. I just want to bring up one thing. Contagion. We just lived through it. The movie Contagion, I just watched it the other day. I forget which it was on, uh, either Netflix or I saw. I watched it. I'm like, this is just what we lived through. Mm-hmm. It's almost like exactly what we yeah. lived through. It's uh, pretty scary. I thought it was a scary movie when it first came out. Yeah. And then we basically just lived through it my, the past two years. Yeah, my parents like happened to just be like, okay, because like, we'll occasionally watch like, a movie as a family. They just showed it to us like a couple months before COVID, and I was like, like, like before it started in like March, and everything. And I was like, wow. Yeah, so like and you it, know, bat, pig, literally. humans, done, done. And I think it's it, for me. I think it, I think it's one of like the scariest movies. Like put aside horror movies like ghosts and whatever. No, because it, it's, it's so scary. realistic. It's like all it takes is just like a couple animals, they infect something, and then like we're gonna wrap up. Thank you very <laughs> much for experience. coming. Thank you very much for coming down. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have it's you. It's fun. Like I said, this is the most I've ever heard you speak in four years. <laughs> Thank you. You do have a voice. Yes. And you, you're always quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, who knows, maybe we'll see you again one day for another episode. Till then, this has been Jackson. And Tom. And, and Mr. Holman, of course. Have a nice day, everybody.